Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on September 11th, 2022 on the basis of Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our gospel reading for today is from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 10. Uh, For our sermon, we're going to focus on on verses 1 to 7, but we'll read all 10 verses here. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the gospel of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, What does it mean to be lost? Now, we're going to talk about lost quite a bit today. Um, Not the TV show, not taking a a, a wrong turn in the car. We're talking a different kind of lost. We're going to be talking about what it means to be lost in life, lost spiritually from God. What does it mean to be lost? What does it look like? Well, it could look like this. Meet Steve. Uh, Steve was a, a Christian young man, but the, the key word is was. He, he left all of that, that Christianity stuff, that Jesus stuff, he left that behind when he went to college, and it wasn't really an intentional decision on his part, it just kind of happened. College was also where his uh, drinking problem began. Now, Steve was a naturally gifted guy, uh, he was a smart guy. But he made a boatload of bad decisions in his, in his life. And those bad decisions mixed with the party lifestyle, it, it cost him certain things, including his, his college degree. He had to drop out, which honestly didn't really bother Steve that much. He didn't much like the classroom anyways. But it kind of it flung him into a, a different direction in his life. He, he moved home. He found work. And it was a good job. But his partying and drinking, it it followed him. In fact, it it even escalated. And it's about that time when he picked up his first DWI. And and you know, Steve, he's kind of a laid-back guy. He kind of shrugged it off. Because honestly, half the people he knows has a DWI, at least one of them. But it wasn't too much longer after that that he picked up his second DWI, which... Maybe ought to have been a little bit more concerning. He, he spent a little time in jail for it, had to pay some fines, but 
he again decide, decided to see it as, as this badge of his toughness. He, he had done some time, right? Well, uh, by his third DWI, he couldn't really deny any longer that he had a problem. His life had gotten away from him a bit. He now had to do significant jail time, pay hefty fines. He lost his job. Most of his friends bailed on, bailed on him. Yeah, he, he still had his family, but the relationship between him and his family, it, it had changed in big ways. Steve was lost. His life had gone a different direction than he had ever planned or thought it would. He felt alone, he felt distant from God, he had no clear direction or purpose for his life. The circumstances of his life added together led him to the inevitable conclusion that he was lost. He couldn't deny it. What does it mean to be lost? It could be obvious. It was obvious to Steve, even Steve himself knew that he was lost, and, and the people in his life around him, they knew he was lost. It was, it was obvious. But lostness doesn't always look the same, and lostness isn't always that obvious. Lostness could look like this. Meet Bill. Bill is a, a, a successful real estate agent. He's a loving husband, father of three, and the proud owner of the best-trained German shepherd out there. Uh, he, he volunteers when he can. He's pretty involved in his, in his community. Uh, people look up to him. He, he's just one of those guys that has seemed to have a, a clear direction for his life. He, he knows what he wants. He goes after it. And, and it seems to be a very morally virtuous sort of thing. He's well-respected. Now, Bill doesn't feel lost. The world, nobody in his life see, sees that he's lost. But the truth is, Bill was lost. What does it mean to be lost? What is this lostness we are, are talking about? With Steve, it, it seemed pretty obvious to us even. It was obvious to Steve too, but th then we heard about Bill and the fact that he's lost. Maybe we're a little unclear on what lostness actually looks like. Now, now Steve, and, and somebody like Steve, would have fallen into the, the sociological category of the tax collectors and the sinners from our, our reading today. I should say, quote-unquote, sinners from our reading today. Uh, maybe you've heard about these, these groups before. The tax collectors come up quite a bit in the Gospels. And uh, the, the term, quote-unquote, sinners, I'll explain why I'm putting that in quotes in a second. Uh, they, they show up in Scripture quite a bit. You've maybe heard of it before, but let's, let's just review who these two groups of people were. The tax collectors uh, were seen in that day as the thieves of society. And they were seen as thieves not because they would run through the market and take things from vendors. Uh, they were thieves because when they would go to collect taxes on behalf of the Roman government, they would have a certain number, uh, uh, amount, that they, were, that they were supposed to collect from each person. Uh, but they would inflate that number and take the extra for themselves. And as you could bet, that didn't make them very popular with the, the people around them. They were kind of considered the degenerates. They were considered traitors. Uh, that's how they were viewed by society. They were outcasts, to say the least. The, the quote-unquote sinners, the, the other people in, in that group, 
These were people whose sins were obvious to the world and, and probably to them as well. Um, they had either not been so discreet in their sins um, or uh, they were just proud of them. And, and so they, they sinned openly. These would have been like the prostitutes of the day, the addicts of the day, um, anybody who had committed a plainly immoral act that became known to the entire community um, were known as the quote-unquote sinners of the day. That maybe would have categorized somebody like Steve, right? Now, Bill, on the other hand, he would have fallen into a different sociological category. He would have been in the category of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. These, these people, these group of people, were viewed a whole lot differently than the tax collectors and the sinners. Uh, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were well-respected in the community. They were seen as the, the guys who were morally virtuous. They were the, the good guys that were um, a benefit to society. And in general, people looked up to them. But I want you to look at the, the first few verses of our, our reading again today because there's only one of these groups that is flocking to Jesus. There's only one of these groups that wants to get to know Jesus and wants to hear what Jesus has to say. Look at those verses again. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. The other group was doing something different. Look at the next verse. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So in response to this, Jesus sees what's going on. It's pretty obvious to him, even if nobody else recognized it. In response to this, he tells a parable. And when Jesus tells parables, here's what he's trying to do. He's trying to take what you accept as truth and what the people at that time accept as truth, and he's trying to reorient you. He's trying to tell you, here's how it really is. Here's how God really works. And so he tells the parable. He paints a picture of a shepherd who owns 100 sheep but loses one of them. And then he poses a question to the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law very quickly. He says, wouldn't you go chase after the, the one sheep that you lost? Now, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are maybe thinking, and maybe we're thinking, no. <laughs> What's one sheep compared to 99? But why would I leave the 99 to go find the one? If I own 100 sheep, then one sheep is like one penny to me. It, it's not worth that much. I'm already a wealthy man. I already have 99 sheep. Why would I go find the one that I lost? That's maybe what the, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law are thinking. But Jesus doesn't ask the question that way. It's kind of subtle in, in, in the, the English here. But when he asks the question, he is expecting an answer, a certain answer. He, he's saying the answer to this question is actually obvious. Of course, of course you'd search after that, that lost sheep. You'd, you'd turn over every, every rock. You'd go and, and find, look behind every bush until you found that sheep. And when you found it, you'd put it over your shoulders and you'd carry it back and you'd be happy to do it. You'd gather your friends together and you'd throw a party because you found your lost sheep. Jesus says, of course, you would do that. You know, the, the two guys that we talked about at the beginning, Steve and Bill, they lived drastically different lives, right? Their lives looked a lot different. But the conclusion was the same. They were both lost. In our section today, we have the Pharisees and the teachers of the law 
and we have the tax collectors and the quote-unquote sinners. Their lives, too, looked drastically different. But what Jesus is trying to show these guys in in this parable is that the conclusion ought to have been the same. That they were all lost. They were lost because they didn't know Jesus. They were lost because they didn't know his grace. They were not the 99 found sheep. (laughs) They were all that one lost sheep. (laughs) And whether they realized it or not, that's what they they were. That the the word quote-unquote sinners shouldn't have quotes around it. It doesn't just describe the people who have obvious sins. It it describes all people. All people are, are sinners. All people need Jesus. And so as we're applying this parable to us today, you might examine yourself and you might find that your sins maybe fall into the category of the tax collectors, quote-unquote sinners, the guys like Steve. And if you do fall in that category, repent. Admit your sin to God. Admit your need for a Savior. As you examine your heart, you may find that you fall into the, the Pharisee, the teacher of the law, that category, the guys that, that maybe aren't so aware of their lostness. Jesus is saying to that group, to you, repent, admit your sinfulness, confess your pride, and admit your need for a Savior. You know, at any time in your life, you might be found in either of those categories or in both at the same time. In fact, from moment to moment, you might bounce back and forth between tax collector and Pharisee, tax collector, Pharisee. And Jesus says, no matter what group you find yourself in, if you're a sinner, and you are, me too, (laughs) then you need a Savior. You are lost You need to become found. And you have a Savior who came to seek and to save the lost. He's the shepherd. He's the shepherd, we're the sheep. He is the one who who leaves the 99 to go find the one. And when he finds you, you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't scold you. He doesn't say, how many times are you going to make me come out here and get you? This is the 99th time I've done this for you. He doesn't. You saw it in the text. He says he joyfully picks up that sheep who is lost and weak and alone. He puts that sheep on his shoulders and he carries it back with joy. That's the heart of your Savior. That's how much he loves you and that's what he really did. He left the green pastures of heaven to come here to seek and to save the lost. And he didn't just try to gather people together. He became lost for us. He became the one who was lost forever to God on the cross. When God forsook him, he became lost so that he could find us. What it means to be lost is to be away from your Savior, to not believe in Him, not trust in Him, not rely on Him. Think that you are good on your own. That's what it means to be lost. And the difference between lostness and foundness is just Jesus. 
If you believe in Jesus, you are found. The Savior has put you on his back. No matter what condition he found you in, lost, alone, afraid, he puts you on his shoulders and he carried you. And he did all of that. And he put that much effort into doing that. No wonder he's so happy when he finds you. When one sinner repents, when one person gets rid of their pride, lets go of it, and and says, I need my Savior because I am a sinner, you know what happens in heaven? The angels are fist bumping. Jesus and the Father, they're giving each other high fives. There's cheers louder than than after a touchdown at the Super Bowl. (laughs) That's how happy he is when just one sinner repents. That's how happy he is every time you confess your sins and he gets to tell you you're forgiven, you're saved. If that's your savior, and it is, if that's his heart, and it is, no wonder the tax collectors and the sinners were flocking to him. They knew they were sinners. They knew they needed a savior and they knew that that was him right there. They were thirsty to to drink what he was giving them. He was feeding them with his word, the living water. And they were being restored, given forgiveness, given grace. Not more rules, not a scolding, grace. And God still gives that. He gives it here today. He gives it through his church, through his, his people, He reaches out to seek and to save the lost, and he does it through weak human vessels like us. He might use you to help seek and save the lost. He might use you here to welcome someone through the doors that is lost. And that lost person that walks through the door, they might look different. They might look like a tax collector or a quote-unquote sinner, They might look like a Pharisee, but you saw in our our reading, Jesus welcomed sinners. He even ate with them. (laughs) And we get the the privilege to welcome people in the same, whether they're a, a tax collector or a Pharisee. Give them God's grace so that maybe, just maybe, through us, he might save another lost sinner so maybe, just maybe through us, he might, we might be able to give him another reason for the, the father and the son to high five and for the angels fist bump. God grant it. Amen. Hi there, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. If you like this content and, and enjoy these sermons and are built up by these, could you do us a favor? Could you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to this on? This will help us get heard by more people more often so that more people might hear about Jesus' love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week.